Chris Kreitcho, and this is the new Rust Station podcast, a 15 to 20 minute show about learning the Rust programming language. This is episode zero. So today is going to be a little different than other episodes. The normal show format will be any important news in the Rust community or follow up, always less than five minutes. And then after that, one or two topics of interest from what I've been learning as I go, always with code samples available on the show website at newruststation.com, as well as on GitHub. It'll be weekly for the most part, but life happens from time to time, so it won't always be perfectly weekly. That content, week in and week out, is, like I said, going to come from the things I have been learning as I learn Rust. I just started picking up Rust less than a month ago. I've learned a fair bit, but I haven't had a ton of time, so a weekly podcast will give me enough time to learn something new and share it with you, but not do a lot more than that. Now, a few qualifiers. I am going to assume a basic working knowledge of programming and along with it, a basic knowledge of how to use the command line and things like that. This is a podcast about being new to Rust, not new to programming. Now, a show about being new to programming could be really interesting, and there are good shows like that out there, no doubt. If you're interested, I actually have a podcast with my wife called sap.py, in which we discuss her journey to learn Python. She had not done any programming before and is now learning it. So that's a that's a show more about the experience of learning to program from the get-go. This is going to be a bit more technical than that one is. And I, like I said, will have code samples with it because of that. And I'm not going to be making a lot of affordances for people who've never programmed before. A little more on why as we get down into the show. Today's format, you're going to hear a bit about me, and then an awful lot about Rust in general. And then next week, in episode one, we'll jump in. Who am I? Well, as I said at the beginning, I'm Chris Kreitcho. I am a software developer. I have been working as a software developer for about six years, and I started writing software about seven years ago. In college, I got an undergraduate degree in physics, and my capstone project was modeling networks of neurons in the brain, which computer science types should note is related to but not actually the same as what are often described as neural networks in programming. After that, I got a job writing avionics software with one of the large avionics hardware companies, and then I've done a fair bit of what is described as hazards modeling. In other words, what happens if a fuel refinery or a fuel pipeline or something like that explodes? It's kind of exciting. Uh, the code is explodey enough to be exciting in its own right, and I've done an awful lot of web development on the side along the way. In that time, I have written Fortran and C. I have maintained some really terrible C++ that was mostly automatically generated from Visual Studio and then mashed together with C from an old text interface. Basically, someone decided it was a good plan to mash up curses with Visual Studio, and, well, the results... Curses is an appropriate word for it. And I've also written uh, quite a bit of Python along the way in the last couple of years in that hazards modeling work. In web development, I've had the pleasure, no, not really pleasure, of using PHP, 
the actual pleasure of writing some Node.js over the last year and the experience, I'll leave it at that, of writing Angular. I've also done a fair bit of SQL over the years, of course, and plenty of HTML, CSS, and then plain old JavaScript and jQuery along with SAS and so on. Lots of the usual suspects, as it were. Right now, I'm also in the middle of a seminary degree. In another year and a half, if everything goes as planned, I will be a master of divinity. And yes, I think that title is hilarious. I will also never call myself a master of divinity. As mentioned a couple minutes ago, I have a wonderful wife who's in the middle of learning Python, and we have two little girls. Probably the highlight of my wife's learning Python so far, other than just the fun of getting to talk about it with her, has been hearing the three-year-old run around and say, Mommy, I have a function for you, and other fun things like that. Kids are awesome. So, Rust. What is Rust? Rust is a systems programming language. It is, in the words of the official website, blazingly fast, and it's memory safe. Now, those of you who've been around a bit might think I'm crazy if you haven't spent some time looking at Rust before. Those are not things you normally think go together. The systems programming languages of the last four decades have been C and C++, and before that were assembly language and so on. Other languages like D have attempted and mostly failed to make inroads in that area, and the occasional other tools that play in that space, the things like Objective-C on Apple's platforms, really are just extensions to C in a lot of ways. I know, I'm oversimplifying things. Please don't send me hate email or anything like that. At the end of the day, C and its descendants have owned that space, and they're anything but memory safe. Rust is memory safe, and yet you can write systems-level code with it. You can today, and the core development team for Rust is working to make it much more straightforward to write something like an operating system kernel in Rust. That's a big deal. But it's a much bigger deal because Rust is memory safe. The vast majority of Rust code, that is, all safe code in Rust, is totally memory safe. You cannot segfault. You cannot leave dangling pointers. You can't have buffer overruns. You cannot, in short, do all the things that any of us who have spent our time dealing with C and C++ over the last many decades have had to deal with on a very, very regular basis. To put this in perspective, Rust, like most newer programming languages, has an officially supported packaging tool called Cargo. All of the Cargo implementation, which is all pure Rust, is safe. There is no unsafe code in it. It is literally impossible to create a seg fault or a memory leak in Cargo. Now, we'll talk a little more about this in a few minutes, but right off the bat, that alone would probably be enough to interest me, because as I said, I've spent a lot of time writing low-level code in C and dealing with badly maintained C++. So a language that could get us out of those things sounds like a great idea. But Rust isn't just that. It's a high-level language in the sense that it has things like inferred types, it supports functional programming, it has generics, it has traits. You might think of them as something like mix-ins if you're from a, a language like Ruby. It lets you do metaprogramming via hygienic macros. And don't worry, if you don't know what these things mean, I didn't actually know what some of them meant until less than a month ago. We'll be talking about them as we go. Rust is actually a descendant of the programming language ML. 
You might have heard of OCaml or F-sharp, both of which are other descendants of ML. F-sharp is a .NET language that Microsoft has built. And the fact that Rust is descended from ML, it shows. It is extremely expressive. It has a very powerful type system, but it doesn't force you to spend a ton of time defining types everywhere all the time. The way it goes about type definitions, like a language like Scala, and of course like OCaml or F-sharp, is it infers types and it infers them well most of the time. You very rarely in ordinary body of a function kind of code have to define your types. You define types carefully on functions and things like that, and we'll talk about that as we go forward. Because it is so expressive and because it has really good type inference, you get some really powerful, pretty easy to read code that's actually, as I said before, of course, safer than C or C++, and also capable of expressing things much more briefly and much more powerfully than C or C++. To put it simply, as I did in a blog post recently about this that's gotten a little traction in the Rust community, Rust is low level in its ability to address the computer. You can do direct memory access, that is, and high level in the abstractions it hands to a programmer. You can do things like true, pure, functional programming. That's really powerful. So what isn't Rust? Because, as anyone who's spent any time in this field knows, programming languages have trade-offs. Well, here are two of Rust's trade-offs. First, Rust is not a particularly beginner-friendly language. I mentioned that my wife is learning Python. I would not have recommended she start with Rust. You could learn Rust as your first language. After all, people have been learning things like C as their first language for many years, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. The language itself is fairly demanding, and the documentation is too. So while it is possible, unless you are a glutton for punishment, I would really say go start with Python or Ruby or JavaScript instead. Those languages will let you elide some of the nuances and complexities of managing memory, and that's a good thing when you're learning to reason about code, in my opinion. Those things are important to know, and they're important to come to understand over time, but I don't think you need to know them to start understanding how programming as a discipline works. So go learn something that doesn't need them. A second thing. As of today, Rust isn't a classically object-oriented language in the way that most people tend to think about that. That is, in Java or C++ or C Sharp. Now, I am intentionally skipping over what we mean by object-oriented because it has a technical definition. And depending on how you think about that technical definition, Rust could quite possibly fit into it. But when most people I talk to say object-oriented, they're thinking of a language like Java or C-sharp, where by default everything comes in classes and you do everything on objects and instances and so on. Now, Rust can do most of the same kinds of things, but it tackles the problems that inheritance in particular is meant to solve in very different ways. Specifically, to date, Rust favors composition over inheritance, and we'll talk about what that means in the future. That said, inheritance is in the pipeline. The Rust core development team recognizes that having more tools is good, and even though they might historically have preferred, and I would tend to prefer as well, composition over inheritance, 
having inheritance as a tool available will only make Rust a stronger language. And again, if you don't know what I mean when I say composition versus inheritance or how that might play out in a language context, don't worry. Sometime in the next month or two, I'll explain. We'll talk about what that looks like. So why do I care about Rust? Why am I doing a podcast about it? Why have I turned into, well, my wife described me as a bit of a Rust fanboy, and yeah, she's probably right. I am kind of a Rust fanboy. Well, in those years of writing C and maintaining C++, I have spent a lot of time hunting bugs caused by memory leaks and buffer overruns and dangling pointers. Lots and lots and lots of time. I spent lots of time in the last three weeks doing that. I would love to spend that time writing new code and making things better rather than hunting down someplace where someone forgot to allocate enough memory. Rust will let me do that. That's really exciting. Second, I'd spend a lot of time in languages like Python, and I really enjoy that. But sometimes it's really helpful to be able to drop down into a lower level language for performance reasons. Rust lets you do that too. In fact, and we'll talk about this at some point in the next few months, it is really, really simple to interface Rust with existing C code or existing Python or Ruby, and that's extremely valuable to me. To be able to write lots of the kinds of beautiful high-level code I am used to writing in Python and get really high-performance code in another beautiful language in Rust, yes, please. Third, I'm starting to plan out and will hopefully in the next few months be starting to work on an application that I hope to someday have be cross-platform. And I need a back-end for it that can be cross-platform. And, and there are some options. Of course, I could have done C++. C-sharp and F-sharp are starting to become options as Microsoft supports the .NET platform across multiple targets. But I don't particularly want to couple myself to .NET and... Frankly, that's early and not so much to my taste. I've looked at it a bit. They're good languages, but there are things I just don't care for about it, whereas Rust grabbed me from the get-go. And that leads me to my last point. I just like Rust. And that's not a small thing when you're looking at a programming language. When it reaches out and grabs you and you just think, oh, I like that. That's good. That's not a small thing because you're going to spend a lot of time beating your head against things you don't like along the way. Having some attraction to it is useful. Now, why should you care? Well, I mean, all of the above reasons. If I haven't persuaded you or sold you on it so far, all I can say is give it a go. Download it, set it up, and start writing some and see what you think. I find it a really fun language, and I think you might too. But if you don't, that's okay. There are other good languages out there, and you don't have to like Rust. But I think if you give it a try, you probably will. For getting started, you'll want to check out rustlang.org. That's rust-lang.org. And there you can find instructions on how to get it installed and going. You'll also find links to their discussion forums at users.rust-lang.org and to the IRC channel Rust on irc.mozilla.org. And I really do encourage you, jump in and start chatting with folks there. I have found the community so far to be very fun and very helpful and very quick to give good feedback along the way. Also, contribute. Rust only hit 1.0 this spring, so there's a lot of things to be done in the core and the supporting official tools, and of course there are lots of things to be done in the community in general. Hop in!
The community is great. And that's it for this week's show. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do so in iTunes or directly on the website at newrustation.com. That's newrustation.com. N-E-W-R-U-S-T-A-C-E-A-N.com. You can also follow the show at newrustation on Twitter and app.net, or shoot me an email at hello at newrustation.com. If you'd like to support me as I'm making this, I would love that and welcome it and think it was awesome. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash newrustation. Thanks for giving this show a listen. Hopefully I'll be back in a week or so and we'll talk about something new in Rust. Until then, happy coding.